The following podcast is sponsored by Structure Tech. First, let me hear, Bill. What do you like about a one he and said a half love. story house? What do you love, oh, Bill? No, there's no <laughs> way he can actually. This is Structure Talk, a podcast from Minnesota's most highly rated home inspection company, Structure Tech. We're the people who do home forensics and deliver the unbiased truth about your property. Structure Talk is hosted by our home inspection specialists, Ruben Saltzman, Tessa Murray, and Bill Ulrich. Today, guys, I wanted to talk about story and a half houses. I'm absolutely in love with these things. They're all over the city. They're beautiful. They've got tons of character. They have tons of charm. They're manageable. They fit well into the Calm world down, as we get Calm smaller down. in houses, right? Like everybody uh, wants a little smaller house. I just think they're amazing. So I know the building scientist to my left here has serious reservations about them. And I know the building inspector. Who used to, to own a one Yeah, he lived in house. it. He lived in it. So tell me why I shouldn't love them as much as I do. Give me something. All right. You know what? I'm not going to try to convince you. First, let me hear, Bill. What do you like about a one and a half story house? What do you love, Bill? No, there's no way you can actually (laughs) love Well, you walk into them and there's there's always a built-in. It's the most practical layout. You've got two bedrooms on the main floor. You've got a bathroom. You've got a built-in buffet. You can easily open them up and make them look, give them that open concept that everybody likes to have in their houses now. You go upstairs. You can have a complete master bedroom, bathroom Mm -hmm. suite attached. It's awesome. All right. You know what, Bill? You're right about all that. I I do agree. I'll admit. I had a one and a half story house. We bought it in like 2004 and we lived there until 2011 and we did everything there. And we we had what you're describing. We had the master suite upstairs. We completely redid it. And for everything that you're describing, yeah, there, there was a lot of stuff that we loved about the house. But there's a ton that I didn't like looking at it just as the homeowner. But as far as the building science perspective and home inspector perspective, there was a lot to complain about. Yeah, I, uh, I I had to bite my tongue while you were saying all that because, Bill, yes, the aesthetics are amazing. Yes, there's all this character. People love character, the built-ins, blah, blah, blah. But as a building scientist, I look at those through a different lens. And for about five years, I worked for a home performance company. And my primary task was to basically try to resolve the issues that people were having. And they were usually in homes like those. So are these modern issues or because these Houses have stood for 80, 90, 100 years. Why do we have issues now? Here's a big part of it. They were never built for that area to be finished off. This was the attic. And to make it really easy to get up to the attic, they gave you a stairway. It's like, oh, wow, you can get (laughs) up and down real easy. You don't need a ladder. You can put all your storage up there. It's wonderful. And they worked fine for that purpose. But then I'm no history buff, but I guess the way it worked Mm -hmm. was a lot of people would get back from the war. You'd have people living and more people living in a house than you used to have. And all of a sudden they need more space. So they say, all right, well, let's finish this off. And when people started finishing off those attics, Mm -hmm. those spaces that were never designed to be lived in, that's where we started having problems. Okay, so what's the tip of the iceberg? What is the first and most obvious concern that you run into on a regular basis? Well, that's a great question, Bill, but just taking a step back, I'd say probably the primary issue with these houses is that they are difficult to insulate, they're difficult to air seal, and it's very difficult to have proper attic ventilation. And with all three of those issues, usually that leads to some problems with ice dams, water intrusion, frost in the attic, 
which can lead to rotting out the roof deck and other structural issues with the framing in the attic spaces and also comfort issues. That's <sighs> yes. huge, you, right, yes, Ruben? I was, I was just dying to jump on that one. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. That's well, let's talk about one. that because, yeah. yeah, attic insulation and air sealing, all that stuff sounds great, but I think people are more concerned about how they feel inside of these spaces. Yeah. You can't get comfortable. No, it's you can, <laughs> but boy, it's tough. It's hard. I mean, yeah. what you need to do is have a lot of insulation on the walls, insulation on the roof, and you need a good HVAC system to add heat when needed or remove heat when mm-hmm. needed. Now, you mm-hmm. notice the way I'm describing this. I'm not saying <laughs> cool the space. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. what people are after. They say mm-hmm. they want they want AC, but really, the way that air conditioning works is it removes heat and humidity from the air and moisture from the air. It's, it's going to remove that. So to do that, you need returns. And think about a one and a half story house. What do you usually have for return duct work? Nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, have, you have a stairway, which is your gigantic return, which mm-hmm. is not directly connected to the duct work. If you're lucky, you may have one return duct. Unless somebody has done some major remodeling, you're not going to have more than that. And that makes it extremely difficult to get that second level comfortable. And and on top of that, too, a lot of times, like you were saying, Ruben, it's impossible to get good insulation, good air sealing for that upper story. So you're already in the wintertime losing more heat. And then in the summertime, those spaces get so, so hot as well oh. because of that. And there's not enough, you know, supply registers and returns. You know, the HVAC system wasn't designed to handle that load on the upstairs. Yeah, you have such a load. I mean, on a normal bedroom, a normal room, you're going to have maybe one outside wall, maybe two yeah. outside walls if you're on a corner. Mm-hmm. And then depending on where it's located, you may have a roof above you, some heating coming down. So maybe up to three walls mm-hmm. on those one and a half stories, you've got it on everything above you and on all of your sides. So you only have one conditioned surface and that's the floor. That's the only thing that might be conditioned and everything else, you've got the outside elements trying to change your temperature to whatever it is outside. Okay, so I get it, but this seems like a pretty simple problem to solve. I mean, we've got HVAC contractors who know how to build systems. It doesn't seem like that big of a deal. When we come back, we're going to explain why it is such a big deal. Are you looking for peace of mind when it comes to buying a home? StructureTech is on the case. At StructureTech, we provide a comprehensive menu of inspection services so you can make the most intelligent decision on your home purchase. We also offer radon testing, mainline sewer inspections, level 2 chimney inspections, and specialized stucco inspections. StructureTech, delivering the unbiased truth. Please visit us online at StructureTech1.com. You're listening to Structure Talk, brought to you by Structure Tech, the most highly rated home inspection company in the Midwest. Delivering to you the unbiased truth about your home. I'm Bill Ulrich. I'm here today with Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman, and we're currently talking about soaring a half houses. So before we went to the break, I just said, well, why can't a HVAC contractor design a system that works well in these spaces? So why can't they? I mean, you've got attic spaces. You've got plenty of room up there to work with. Just carve out some space mm-hmm. and put a furnace in the in the knee wall. Again, if you take a step back, you look at the, the house as a system. These houses have under-insulated upper levels, right? It's really difficult to get adequate insulation in these spots. And so you're losing a ton of heat. So if you look at it like, let's just say... 
A simple analogy, if you've got a car, you're driving down the road, and all the windows are down, and it's the middle of winter, all of that heat is escaping through these open windows, right? This is like a story and a half house. They're very leaky. They're not insulated well. And so well, do you... just turn the heat up to high. Thank Won't you, Ruben. Okay, it? so that's what Bill is saying. Why don't you just turn up the heat, add a second heater? Well, really, you should look at these houses and say, how can we keep the heat in better? How can we insulate them better? How can we air seal them better so we don't need a bigger furnace to heat them? Yeah. And if if you are going to redo it and you're going to put a furnace in there, I mean, just logistically thinking about where this is going to fit, that, that's a lot of work. I mean, where are you going to fit a furnace in a one and a half story house? You can put it on its side in the knee wall attic. And then how are you going to get that duct work to all the finished spaces? I mean, I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying it's a lot of work and it gets really expensive. I mean, wh- whatever your cost is to replace a furnace, you know, $5,000, whatever it is, y- you got somebody in and out in half a day swapping out a piece of mechanical equipment. Now consider how much work it's going to be to install all that duct work, go through finished spaces, try to hide it, not have ducts going through the middle of the room. This adds up to a lot of money. And I'm, I mean, I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying it costs a lot. So, I mean, so you got to really love that space. Mm-hmm. So is this one of those things that just because you can doesn't mean you should? Is there a better way to attack this as a system? Well, I think the first thing you should focus on is stopping the leak. Mm-hmm. Like Tessa said, focus on air sealing and insulation and mm-hmm. then maybe some ventilation too. Yeah. Yeah. But you have a lot of challenges with one and a half story homes. Yeah. They're complicated systems because once you air seal and you insulate those attic spaces, you can create a whole host of other unintended consequences, which we'll talk about another. Now, now Tess, just podcast. for anybody who doesn't know what air sealing is. Air sealing. Air sealing is when you uh, go into an attic space and you physically find the holes and pathways between the conditioned living space and that unconditioned attic space. So an example of that would be like electrical wiring that goes through the ceiling or if you've got like a knee wall access door, plumbing vents, Mm -hmm. wall tops framing, lots of things can be attic bypasses. And so finding all of those little holes basically and physically sealing them up with spray foam or caulking will stop help prevent that warm air from leaking into that cold attic yeah. space. And I'll tell you, I mean, we're recording this in the middle of summer, but if you want to know where your air leaks are, you got a one and a half story house. Good point. After yeah. it's snowed, just go yeah. look at where all of your snow is melted. Yes. That's where your biggest <laughs> air leaks are. Yeah. It's not an insulation issue. That's air movement. Yes. And it, that's a great point, Ruben, because you can even go out after a light frost and you can go look at these story and a half houses and, and see on the roofs all the places where you're losing heat because that frost will melt. And a lot of times too, you can actually see thermal bridging, which is another kind of scientific term for- You're such a house geek. I am such a house geek. I'm sorry, I apologize. But where the heat is being lost through the framing members, right? Mm -hmm. In the slant areas. And Ruben, tell me about your experience with trying to stop thermal bridging. (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right, (laughs) we'll need a backup. So I'll tell the whole story. I had the one and a half story home and we decided to- finish that off. And, you know, I I knew about all the issues, but I had an insulation person convince me, look, if we do it this way, that's going to be enough to make it comfortable up here to stop your ice dam issues. And and what we did was we gutted the upper level. I mean, it was was finished, but not Mm -hmm. finished well. We gutted it. We took everything out. Side note, while we had it gutted, we had a big cold snap and there was some plumbing up there and one of the pipes froze. Oh no. That was awesome (laughs) because it burst 
and, oh. and it, it froze enough to <laughs> to pop the end off of a pipe. And my wife comes home from work, and there's water like pouring, like pouring, oh. pouring out of the living room ceiling, oh. uh, out of the you, light. You see houses clearly. How did that happen? How did you overlook that one small detail? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was going to get cold enough out there. Seriously. Okay. I mean, I thought there was so much heat leaking up through the floor. Yeah. There's no way this is going to freeze oh, and burst. And it wasn't that cold. It oh. was like just close to freezing. Wow. But yeah. So that Ugh. was an awesome flood and huge insurance claim. I got to give learning messages out here. <laughs> know where your water shutoff valve is. <laughs> I, I had never yes. showed my wife where it was. Oh, no. And so she calls me. I'm in the middle of a home inspection. She's frantic. Oh, she can't no. shut the water off. And I had put something in front of it. So she, it was kind of hidden. And she ended up calling my dad. And <laughs> she's panicked. And he had to talk her through where it probably <laughs> is. So, you know, uh, always know where your main water shutoff valve is. Uh, All right. So b- back to the one and a half story house. We got to the upper level and we spray foamed it. We used closed cell spray foam up against the roof decking. It means Mm -hmm. it's going in between each rafter. And we filled it up with as much insulation Mm -hmm. as you could use and the high density foam. Mm -hmm. It's like almost R7 per Mm -hmm. inch. That's the insulating value. This is the best you can get. Okay, so So, we're gonna break in. Tessa, explain closed cell versus open cell, why it makes a difference as quickly as you might be able to. Closed cell, it's a higher R value per inch. Also, it can be used for a vapor barrier as well, a certain depth, so up to like two inches, and then it provides a a vapor barrier. So it's a vapor barrier, an air barrier, and high insulation value. So that's why you want to use it in a space like what Ruben's describing. An open cell, it's not a vapor barrier, and it has a lower R value per inch. Okay. So we, we filled up that space with this insulation and then we finished it off. And, you know, the beauty of this is that you don't lose any headroom and then you can just put your insulation right up against the rafters. But what I didn't even think about at the time was thermal bridging. It's mm-hmm. the insulating value of wood. It's just about nothing. It's R1. R1. <laughs> R1. It's, it's per inch. Yep. And so if you have a two by four, it's three and a half inches thick, you're at R3.5, which is not much. And just for reference, the current standard for a new home in Minnesota, in the attic, you need R49. That's the minimum. What does the R stand for? It's like resistance? That's it. Yes, resistance, yeah, resistance to, to heat, heat flow, flow through a material. Okay, okay. Yep. What's the formula for that test? <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, don't ask me to remember formulas from college. But yeah, I, I did all this and then not thinking through what happens with the wood. And then every time it'd snow, the snow would melt at each one of the rafters. So you could clearly see where every one of my rafters <laughs> mm-hmm. was from mm-hmm. the outside, from the melted snow pattern. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean... So how do you fix that then in the future? Well, there's two options. One, add insulation to the roof deck and build the roof up from there, which means building a second roof deck on top of the existing one. So when you say add insulation to the roof deck, I mean, back up. What does that mean? It means removing all the shingles, Uh putting down rigid foam, putting on an additional kind of space for airflow if possible, and then putting on a secondary roof deck, new plywood, and new shingles. Not cheap and not easy. 
The second option, you could add more insulation on the inside, right? And yep. this is the, the step you skipped because you wanted that headroom. Yeah. But you could add more insulation to the inside, fur down, and get some added R value there. But then you you lose headroom, valuable headroom. And a lot of times these story and a half houses are, the ceilings are already so low, you don't want to do that. And the valuable part of that headroom is there's equations to what's legal space. And yep. if it's not legal mm-hmm. space, you can't count it in your square foot finished mm-hmm. formula. So yeah. you could be pouring money into a space that's not technically mm-hmm. finished space. Yeah. So, okay, there's a, a project that the University of Minnesota did that speaks to your adding insulation at the roof deck, right? It's called Project Overcoat. Mm-hmm. Was There was a long paper written about the whole entire project. We'll link it up to our webpage so people can actually understand what Tess is talking about. It's a complicated thing. Pictures will explain much better than what we can do quickly on a, on a podcast like this. So I'm not willing to spend all that money so what can I do just to get beyond this this problem of ice damming and other things like that? Where well, do I go from here? You know what? The really simple solution, yeah, and this is what I tell people. I, I do inspections for a lot of people buying these one and a half story houses, and I don't try to talk them out of it. I just tell them what's going to happen. I'm, I'm going to say, it's going to be a little cooler in the winter. It's going to be warmer in the summer. You might want to think about installing a window air conditioner in the summer to make it make it a little bit more comfortable. And you know, you might need to have a space heater. If you keep the door open to the upper level, you're going to have enough heat rising up there. It's, it's going to make it tolerable during the winter. And then for ice dams, look up and down your street after you get a big snowfall and you're going to see all your neighbors doing the same thing. <laughs> they all get a roof rake and they pull all that snow off the roof. That's how you stop ice dams. If you remove the fuel for an ice dam, you're not going to have it. So you're saying those little, the, the pantyhose with the salt and the... The salt pucks and all those things don't work? Oh, man. We should do a whole episode just on ice dams. There's <laughs> yeah. so much to cover there. I've, I've tried everything. Yeah. And yeah, they, they kind of work. But boy, it's a lot more effective to just remove the snow. And if you do that, you, you really shouldn't have a lot to worry about. Okay. But you got to stay I, on top of it. Well, I like how you say the fuel for the ice dam. I mean, that, that just it puts it in perspective. You take that away, it can't happen. Yeah. Ice dams don't happen immediately. You can go out you know, 12 hours after the snowfall or probably even two days after the snowfall. And as long as you're pulling it back, it's, you're not going to have major problems. Just don't wait three weeks and then you'll have problems. You know, I'd I'd say it depends. We like Mm -hmm. to say that a lot. Mm -hmm. It depends on the year. I'd say most years, you're not going to have any issues with ice dams. I mean, people can be in these houses for five years and they're like, yeah, my house is fine. I don't have a problem. And then year six, like we had last Mm -hmm. year, People get these ice dams like they never had before, and then they get leaks and they get their ceilings destroyed. Like, I don't know what happened. And the natural response is, who touched my house last? Like, (laughs) oh, I had a roofer out to give an estimate last year. He did something. I mean, we get those calls. I know this because people want us to come out and blame somebody. And it's like, hey, look, this has always been this way. We just had different weather this year. And sometimes you can go out there two days later and pull the snow off and you're okay. Other times you get a bad snowstorm. It snows all day and you got the right temperature. And you almost need to go out there a couple of times during that storm to remove snow to prevent ice from setting in. Okay, so So don't wait on it. it, Don't take my advice and go have a (laughs) cup of coffee and come back later. Uh, Get on it right away. It it depends. I mean, the, the safest way to do it 
it is to do it right away. Okay. Well, I don't care what you guys say about these houses. I still love <laughs> you still them. still love them? And I, I would encourage my family members who my brother owns one, and he religiously goes out and scrapes off the snow off the roof, and they haven't had any problem. And he doesn't I've... need a gym membership either in the winter. And that's right. <laughs> exactly. So the other issue about starting to have houses that we kind of breezed past, but I think is potentially a big deal is moisture in these attic spaces and frost, which a lot of times people can't see, don't know about until it's too late and there's a problem. Sure. And we're going to drill into that in another episode because that is something that when the Minneapolis Airport Commission started replacing windows and adding, when the MAC improvements happened to Mm -hmm. all the houses around the airport, suddenly there were all these moisture problems Mm -hmm. that had to be dealt with. Well, I don't care what you guys say about these houses. I still love them, and I'm not going to stop loving them because they're super cool. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Ruben, what are we going to talk about next time? Oh, I can't wait for our next one. On our next episode, we're going to talk about how to fix ice dams. This is Tessa's bread and butter. Tessa used to do this for a living. She would spec the work on how to fix ice dams on existing homes. So we're going to dig into one-and-a-half-story homes, two-story homes, single story, and all the different challenges, hot roofs, more ventilation. What does it take? This is going to be a fun one. Thanks, Ruben, Tess. This was great. Clearly, it's super important that you find a qualified home inspection expert to come out and do a thorough evaluation of the real estate you're considering. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next time. For more information on how we can provide you with the right information about your home before you buy or sell, contact us at StructureTech1.com.